So this is Advent, and I want to clarify something. Is Advent are Sundays that are counting down to Christmas Day. So Christmas Day is not part of Advent. That's Christmas Day. So that's why there's uh, two Sundays left before Christmas comes. So uh, today would be the third, third candle that we would light, which represents it is the shepherd's candle. The shepherd's candle in the time of Advent. So you have first the prophet's candle, second it's Bethlehem's candle, and today is the shepherd's candle. Next week we'll talk about the angel's uh, candle. So today is the shepherd's uh, candle, and there was something that took place when the shepherds got involved in this Christmas story. You could lower this a little bit, Manny, I'm sorry, I think, I think you're heading out. We're praying for your family too, by the way, okay? Just lower the house a little bit here, thank you. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that's good, thank you. It says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be, call, be called Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Uh, well, th that alone I could stop and just go for 15 minutes there. Uh, but this just describes a little bit of who's on your side. Just a little bit. You could save a lot of money seeing the wonderful counselor weekly. Let me hear an amen. You really can. So um, I want to talk to you today about joy to the world. Joy to the world. I'm, I'm excited about what's going to happen at Kidsland because uh, I know they're going to start learning a lot more about uh, Jesus. And I just, I just would like for you to maybe take a look at what kids have to say about the Christmas story. And I'm going to say they're pretty right on, but uh, uh, here's what they have to say about the Christmas story. <laughs> came to see Mary. She was doing laundry and then the angel just appeared and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're gonna have, what? I can't, I can't say it good. Mary, you're gonna have a baby. I, you're gonna have a baby and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not gonna have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager and I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. <laughs> When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angel said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. Oh. 
us. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world. And there you have it. Joy to the world. Uh, Isaac uh, Watts is actually the man who wrote the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. And uh, it's probably one of the most uh, beloved Christmas carols that everybody sings about because it captures the word joy. But in, in part on that uh, Christmas carol, it, I want you to listen to it. It says, Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. I love that again. We were singing about that this morning. Make, make room for him. We're singing about that this morning. But let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and flocks, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Um, I think you really understand this, that you are paying close attention to the message in this song. I want to concentrate on the word joy, not happy, not laughing. Yesterday, we had a Christmas staff party. It was fun. People were laughing. People were happy. The worship team had their Christmas party. It was fun. People were laughing and people were funny. But there's a difference with being happy and being joyful. Smile stops. Joy is eternal. There's joy, the Bible says, that is unspeakable. That means that there's so much joy inside somebody Sometimes you can't even speak because there's so much joy. You know, you look at Felipe who's come on up here and his father just passed. His father died. He's up here still able to have enough strength and encourage and help lead and advertise and promote. Why is that? It's because even though in the spite of losing his father, there's still joy inside his heart. There's a difference between joy and having fun. Joy to the world. <clears throat> Why? 
Because the new iPhone has come? Why? Because the new Tesla has come? Why? Because the pay rate has come? No, joy to the world because the Lord has come. Give the Lord a hand, praise. God has come to your life. And don't forget that. It's not just joy to America. You'll be surprised how many people in different parts of the world has more joy than Americans. Americans are so falsely led because it is things that make us happy. In third world country, it's the thing that gives them joy. And the thing is the king, is what gives them joy. But it's not just joy to America. Why? Because it's not a Caucasian joy. It's not just joy to the West. Why? Because it's not a cultural joy. And it's not just a joy to the rich. Why? Because it is not a financial joy. And it's not a joy to the educated. Why? Because it is not an intellectual joy. Neither is it an emotional joy. And it's not joy to the healthy because it's not a physical joy. I'll tell you what it is. It is joy to the world. Why? Because it's universal. Jesus came to die for an entire world. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a child is given. It has to be a personal time this year. And you have to pay attention to that scripture that says, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is given. Jesus was sent for you. He was sent for your family. He was sent for your teenage son. He was sent for your drunkard husband. He was sent for your son who has five more years left to do. He was sent for your children. For unto us a child is given. For unto us a child is born. When Veronica and I were in Israel a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that all the tour guides who were leading the Holy Land tours were numb to the fact that the ground that they walked on and the ground that they taught on was such holy ground. Numb. One of the tours were walking by and one of the tour guys said, oh, and right there, that's where Mary's buried. And Veronica was like, you mean Mary? Like the mother of Jesus? Yes, but we don't have time to see that right now. I'm like, there's numbness here. There's numbness here. And one of our guides likened it to maybe like us living in Hollywood, so close to Hollywood, that being all struck in with celebrities. And I'm sure that, meaning when we go to Hollywood, it's not a big deal to us, for us who live here. We're not looking around seeing who we see. Maybe we'll see John Travolta Hill. Maybe we'll see uh, Tom Cruise here. I don't know. No, no, no. So he likened it. Maybe that's how Jerusalem to us is how Hollywood is to you. We're born in it. Our grandparents were, were generation to generation. No big deal. The whole world comes here because Jesus, because of Jesus. No big deal. Numb. I'm sure if I would have asked that tour guide to name any star he probably would have responded by saying, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger. While he may have been thinking about a star in America, I was thinking about the star in Bethlehem. I couldn't believe that 
we were there. I wondered where exactly where that star could have appeared that was led people to the star that eventually gave the direction of where Jesus was, was, was born. A star more spectacular and more fascinating than any earthly star, any celebrity star. A star not created for earthly entertainment, but a star that was created for divine purpose. I don't think you guys get the miracle. I don't think you, I don't think you comprehended that much, this miracle. I'm good, man. This was supernatural. You know what your story is today? Hey, Siri, take me to El Taco de Mexico. That's your GPS. That's your navigation. This was a supernatural GPS that showed up in the east in the sky that gave exact pinpoint location to where Jesus was going to be born. I preached a message years ago. We were on Pleasant Valley Road. I titled that message, When You Follow a Star and Find a Manger. See, sometimes, and this is why some people don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, is because the Messiah is not supposed to be a place where he has no, not to be a person where he has no place to rest his head. He has, he doesn't live in the, in a castle or in a palace i mean he's walking he doesn't own his own donkeys uh, no that there's no way that could be the messiah and some of us when i say when we follow a star and find a manger sometimes we get our hopes too high in serving jesus and jesus wants to take us to a season of life where it's going to be nothing it's a nothing season. It's a manger season. But you said yes to Jesus. It's not supposed to be like this. We're not supposed to be arguing. No, it's a manger season in your life. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. The star, the star. I like to say that, that the star in the east was the original Christmas ornament. An original Christmas ornament in the Christmas story. That's the first ornament. For the Christmas story. Many people don't know why they put a star on the top of the tree. Many people don't even know what the tree symbolizes. What a candy cane symbolizes. After Jesus was born in Jerusalem in Judea. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 to 2 says. During the time of King Herod. Magi came from the east. And came to Jerusalem and asked. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. And have come to worship him. Come on, guys. How dare you let the star at Carl's Jr. get you more excited than the star in the Christmas story. The original Christmas ornament, the Christmas star. This star brings so much joy because it speaks of, number one, God's glory. It speaks of, number two, God's guiding and, and of God's gift. This star. And here's how I close this sermon to you. I want to just reveal to you the star in our life that represents God's glory. God's glory. You can tell who's not experiencing God's glory because there's a doom on their face. There's a darkness that is a silhouette around them. You know, uh, when was it? Uh, uh, Friday night, uh, Veronica and I and the kids, we went to see the Christmas lights in Camarillo. Beautiful place, by the way, if you get a chance, go on out there. We're going out there, enjoying the time, and 
then we come back, and then we're coming back into Oxnard, and then on the corner of Gonzales Road, and um, uh, is it Ventura Road? Ventura Road and Gonzales Road, the corner right where Popeyes is across the street. There's this man selling flowers, selling flowers. And then uh, Veronica says, let's pull over him and let's offer him. Let's, let me, I want to give him some, uh, some homemade cookies that she made. And so we pull over and it's freezing outside. As you all know, Friday was a freezing night. And he's out there cold and freezing. And Veronica offers him some cookies. And he's hesitating to take the cookies because he wanted to make sure first that she had cookies. And I couldn't believe the heart of this man. And later on, you know what he began to do? He began to preach to us. He began to say, you got to have Jesus in your heart. And you need to read your Bible every day. And I started looking at this man and I'm saying, you know what? I thought there was a gloom around him selling some flowers. I thought he looked lonely. I thought he looked dark. But there's more light in him that I, than I see in our lives right now. And I got so encouraged by seeing a man that refuses, refuses to let any situation bring him down. You can always tell who has God's glory in their life. It's so easy. There's nothing fake about it. There's no hard attempt about it. It's a natural light when somebody has God's glory inside of their life. And that's what this star represents. It represents God's glory. It was one star. It was a star that reflected God's light. That's what it was. Why do people enjoy going outside on a dark night looking up at a clear sky? Because everybody loves to see how beautiful the stars look at night. And it was God who set those stars in their place, in the heavens. And it is God who allows those stars to reflect light. All throughout the entire Bible, we find light associated with God's glory. How many want God's glory? Really, how many, how many need God's glory? Come on now, the Bible says that we've been pulled out of darkness and set into his marvelous light. The only reason why people are in darkness is because they still choose to walk through the dark tunnels of life. God's glory, fill me. Fill me with your glory, God. Fill me with your light, God. The Bible says by day that the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of a cloud. To guide them on their way. And by night, a pillar of fire that gave them light to guide them by the night time. When God called Moses near to him to come on up to Mount Sinai. The Bible says that when Moses came down, people saw a radius light around Moses. The Bible calls it a consuming fire. That was around Moses, God's light, God's glory. There's too many of us that are settling for doom and gloom. No, we got to turn our pity into praise. We got to step out of the darkness and get back into the light. Let God's glory. You need to get close to the star in your life, which is Jesus. Because from him is reflected God's glory into your life. Somebody say amen. God allowed Moses to inscribe the Ten Commandments onto stone tablets. And when Moses returned to the people, the Bible says that Moses' face glowed 
with a light. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses' face, that it was radiant, they were afraid to come near him. You ever been around somebody who had been fasting for 10 days? And, 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 and there's a certain glow about their life. Because you know that they've been walking with God. While you and I were eating those chorizo burritos, they were on their knees praying and fasting and saying no to foods and liquids and certain things. And to get in a hold of God, there's a certain radiance about that person. There's a certain glow about those person. You know who I'm talking about. Some of you will probably say, those were the fun days for me. Those were my holiest days in my life. Those were the days of my greatest purities in Christianity in my life. Those were my holy days. Those were days when I was on fire and I was glowing and I was radiant. And I believed God for the impossible. But darkness has a way of robbing the marvelous things that you were able to do through God's power at one time. God in the Christmas story, the original Christmas star, let it reflect to give us God's glory. God's glory. Not ours. Not our glory. You know, when pharaohs would die, and when ancient kings would die, they would bury their gold and silver with them. They would bury their possessions with them. You know what happened when archaeologists excavated places like in Egypt and places like in Ephesus and places like in Turkey, places like in Jericho, 10,000-year-old city, 10,000 years ago, that city was running. You know what archaeologists found when they excavated these kings with their possessions they found skeleton remains with possessions that nobody used for 10,000 years who cares about your glory who cares I know you do and we ought to be we ought to have life insurances and Retirement plans and all of that. And it's good. You leave something for your kids and their kids. But the reality is, God shares his glory with no man. When we put our glory before God, it's an abomination. It's evil. It's against God's current against the flow of God Andre Crouch wrote a song that says take me back it says take me back dear Lord to the place where I first received you take me back take me back dear Lord to that place where I belong Give us your glory. Stand to your feet. 
Everybody stand to your feet.